a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution, forgiven me. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins, which we're supposed to be conquering, have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is is putting to death the old the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. How big a missionless are you? <laughs> I'm gonna be all over you like a evangelist on a grant mission grant. <laughs> Hey, it's time for... That's uh, our new favorite game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> mine. Only because we get to talk like Roy D. Mercer. Roy D. Mercer. <laughs> uh, welcome you the pastor there? <laughs> to Table That's Talk Radio. Today we are doing How Big it a Mission Asaria Part 2. <laughs> it ain't funny. We should, we should get that little sound bite on my soundboard. How's that soundboard you're making for me? There's no charge for awesomeness. Or attractiveness. Yeah. You know, instead of, by the way, instead of a soundboard, here's the plan. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say the stuff. How about that? Then we don't even need a fancy soundboard. Oh no, 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 no. I think like a soundboard a soundboard would be like much Rudy better. Mitchell. I'll tell you what, I'll I'll get that for you here in the next few decades. <laughs> it ain't funny. <laughs> uh, and also in addition to uh, how big a Michelin star you were also playing bumper sticker theology. Uh, and that's the Table Talk Radio lineup. But first, we've got to get some buzzwords in. So you have a, a theological buzzword, Pastor? I do. I do. My theological bu- buzzword is uh, efficacy. Nice. Efficacy. Uh, this means efficacious. It means, this means that God's word is powerful so that it, um, it, uh, it accomplishes things. God's word is not just descriptive. It doesn't just describe things, how things are. It actually accomplishes things. So God says, let there be light, and there's not light, and now all of a sudden there is light. So God says, uh, repent and believe the gospel, and there is repentance and faith. So There it is. Very good. There you go. My theological, but I don't know if you'll be able to get it in, uh, considering the games we're playing. But my theological buzzword for you is pietism, and uh, <laughs> pietism. Our working definition of pietism here on Table Talk Radio is, uh, according to TableTalkRadio.org, the theology that says progress and good works is more important than having a right understanding of doctrine. Hey, that's not too bad. That's probably about as good a definition of pietism as I've ever heard. Yes. Now. Um, it's interesting as we talk about this in in, in the light of the of uh, missional missional horrificism. <laughs> uh, missionalific, <laughs> hypermissionified missionalism. Uh, that uh, I, I think that that you know Pietism uh, goes back to uh, Jacob Spainer, right? Uh, he came out the Pia Desideria, which is uh, the way of what is that way of 
Uh, way Pia Desideria. The way of piety. Yeah, the way of piety. Yeah. Uh, so so this is this is an old stick. I mean this is this is nothing new. Uh, but what we have now um, is uh, sort of a, a form of Pietism in that the good work is that you're you're missionifying. So that <laughs> we're just gonna invent words on the fly here. As long as it has the word, as long as the word mission is the root word, you're good. It doesn't matter. So the good work is that you're missionifying, and that is more important than the understanding of right doctrine. Now that is a dangerous proposition because it is doctrine that saves. We should say that doctrine is life. Um, that within the doctrine, the creeds. Um, the 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 uh, the teaching of Jesus. This is the only thing that saves uh, the the very gospel itself. So if we can't get our doctrine right, we can't possibly um, uh, be mission of fit. I, I'm running out of different forms of mission. But mission of, uh, missional tastic. Mi- mi- yeah, we can't be missional tastic. Now uh, I I liked uh, the little little uh, cliche. Is it a, is it Somewhere in the rules of being a synodical president, you have to come out with some sort of cliche or theme or something like that. I don't know. I'll check the policy book. Okay, check that out for us. Um, but uh, B- Dr. Barry, his, his little thing was get the message right and then get it out, <laughs> which is a good, which I think is a good understanding because how does uh, President Harrison sign his uh, letters? I still don't know what's going on around here. <laughs> <laughs> Still don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Something like that? No, no, I'm sure he doesn't say that. Did you see, by the way, this letter that he wrote to the U, to the to the missionified campus ministry guys? No, where is that at? Oh, we'll have to talk about that later. It's just really nice. Okay, good. All right, so those are the buzzwords. Let's get to let's get to an email. Uh, uh, <laughs> do you have one there? Yeah, I do. Uh, let me pull it up here. This is from Jim. Uh, the email is titled School of Hilarity. Pastors, I'd like to sign up for the Wolfmuller School of Hilarity. All right, first enrollee. <laughs> You'll have to go on a waiting list, Jim. <laughs> See, that's I've funny, been that's funny because it, you have to wait if you're the only person. Right, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> Boy, this, that's the kind of gold that people are going to sign up for. Don't just let it out here on the radio. I mean, you got we got to hold back this kind of overflowing tide of hilarity can't have let all the good stuff go for free. Anyhow, Jim continues, I've been married for 38 plus years, and I think my wife has stuck with me for for low these many years, partly because of my scintillating sense of humor. So I don't want to lose my edge. However, since I am in Indiana, I'm afraid I can't attend in person. Will you be having an alternate routes to hilarity? For example. (laughs) (laughs) This email is really good. For ex- alternate routes to hilarity, for example, Delph distance education leading to hilarity, <laughs> or SMPPH specific mirth person purveying hilarity, or lay jokester, or licensed freaking deacon, <laughs> etc. I await your response with bated breath, Jim in Indiana. P.S. I challenge you to find another use of the word baited. I've done, by the way. All right. Well, <laughs> I think that that uh, Jim can just call it quads over because uh, th- this was really funny. Uh, I, I I was really laughing when I got this email. And usually I don't laugh at, at our listeners who write in because typically I'm the only one that I think is funny. Um, 
but uh, but this really got me going. The reason why that's funny, by the way, is because Evan's normally not the funny one. Now, this uh, this is a bit of an inside baseball thing because uh, Missouri Synod seems to be uh, multiplying uh, different ways to become a pastor, and so there's alternate routes to ordination. Uh, that's why this is funny, by the way. I think that uh, we should pass a resolution since you're all since you're all into resolutions and everything. Yeah. Uh, you should say, whereas your doctor has attended medical school, and whereas <laughs> you don't go under the knife with someone who was trained online, be it resolved, are th- those who care for our soul uh, are also uh, trained at the seminary. <laughs> Yo, yeah. So I will. I will. I will. You're obviously uh, from Fort Wayne. I will. <laughs> oh, this is. Oh, this is just pastors trying to preserve their. Uh, their uh, what is that called? Their authority over the church. No one else can be a pastor, so we maintain our tight grip. Uh, or I've been told that when you when you send guys to the seminary, they become brainwashed. <laughs> brainwashed. We uh, want people to have filthy brains, not washed ones. <laughs> I got, by the way, a resolution here uh, that I think we should pass to fully express the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And to affirm that he speaks clearly through district and synodical conventions. Did I send this to you? <laughs> no. <laughs> How much time do we have? I'm going to read this. Whereas we love Jesus, he loves us, and he promised to send his Holy Spirit. And whereas Lutherans, you can really tell it's convention season. And whereas Lutherans insist the Spirit promises to work through means, especially the word, including the spoken words at convention microphones. And whereas majority at vote at convention obviously gives clear confession and concrete expression of the Spirit's voice, which ultimately began in our hearts and spoke through our mouths. And whereas those who unfortunately spoke contrary to a past resolution during the debate held prior to its being passed were necessarily speaking against the voice of the Spirit. And whereas speaking blasphemy against the Spirit is an unforgivable sin proceeding from the mouth of the devil himself. And whereas the devil can be silenced by eliminating in voice, therefore be it resolved that the persons or person who spoke against the past resolution, and especially this one, and or voted against it should be excommunicated, stoned, and then burned at the stake... And be it finally resolved that the delegates who are actually filled with the Holy Spirit, having voted for the past resolution, joyfully stand and sing the doxology during said burning. <laughs> what do you think about that guy? Uh, well, Who's going to vote against that one, huh? Yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> Everybody's sitting there. Uh... <laughs> uh, I don't want to vote against it. <laughs> Oh boy, that's how. This is how important these uh, conventions are. You know, we get to hear the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Why don't we play a voicemail uh, here on this side of the break, and then you'll have to respond to it on the other side of the break. Uh, so, if you have a, a comment or question for us, give us a call at one eight hundred three eight five SOLA. That's one eight hundred three eight five seven six five two. Hello, pastors. It, it's Humphrey again. I, I heard Pastor Wolf Mueller talking about how he saw the movie Courageous. I could just tell from the trailer that it was going to be emotionally manipulative. However, I was wondering about this whole resolution commitment thing. You seem to label it as something similar to a marriage vow. What is the difference between this and pietism? It seems that a church could be labeled pietistic if they incessantly talk to their people about how to live in their vocations, use the courageous Bible studies, the book Courageous Living, the resolution for men, the resolution for women. Where does it become pietism? I've heard you talk before about how pietism is a problem of emphasis, or emphasis, as Pastor Wolf Mueller puts it, but this confuses me. If pietism is a problem of emphasis, then is it false doctrine? There may be nothing doctrinally incorrect with these materials, but the emphasis shifts. Is an emphasis shift false doctrine? Humphrey, 
What are you, calling into that mediocre show again? Sorry, uh, gotta go. Bye. Busted. Humphrey's now, busted. Now, somehow, people have figured out that... Uh, you, I mean, this this is sort of the trick that you invented, isn't it? That you turn away from the microphone and it sounds like you're 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 from the other part of the room. Do, I think I did invent that trick. Yeah, <laughs> probably nobody ever thought about it. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, we need to hit a commercial break and then uh, we'll get your response to Humphrey here uh, about uh, uh, does false doctrine reside in emphasis or emphasis? Emphasis. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Table Talk Radio. After this, uh, we'll respond to this voicemail and then play. How big of a Michelinist are you? You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Give us a call, 1 800 385 7652. 1 800 385 Sola. We'll be right back. Well, we were made to be Table Talk Radio. It's incredible how well our good looks translate to radio. And we're back on Table Talk Whoa, Radio. Back already. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, okay, so uh, before the break, we had this voicemail from Humphrey. And uh, he, uh, he responded to the conversation we had when we were talking about um, uh, Courageous, the movie. We, I don't think we talked very much about it. Um, but, the, but the question came up about challenges and how this is different than kind of legalism and pietism. Um, uh, so uh, the question that Humphrey poses to you, Pastor Wolf Miller, is, um, is, is it, can you say something is false doctrine, not because its externals are incorrect, but because of its emphasis? Uh, yes, you can. So, for example, if a guy stands up in the pulpit and he preaches a whole bunch of things that are true, uh, like history lessons or even talking about politics or how to garden, and yet does not preach Christ, that is that is f- false. Because, and I think, now, are you ready for this? That we have, the, the two things that have to intersect for something to be true are... Um, the truthfulness of the thing, as well as the vocation. I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to put my head around what this looks like exactly, but I, I was reading Luther's sermon on uh, on the proper the difficulty of the proper distinction between law and gospel, the one where Walther got all this stuff from. And and Luther talks about how the law has a vocation and the gospel has a vocation. Hmm. And if the gospel steps over, if the law, sorry, steps uh, outside of his vocation, for example, the law tells you how to live before your neighbor. But if the law steps behind that and says how you stand before God, you got to stand before God by the law. Then it's it's stepping beyond the bounds of its vocation, and it becomes a sin. If the gospel, for example, is not found in the pulpit, then uh, then there's sin happening there, even if everything that's said is kind of officially or historically true. So a guy could stand up in the pulpit and tell people how to live, and he could be right about it, you know. I mean, as right as Moses was right about telling people how to live. But the, but that's not his vocation. The vocation of the pastor is to stand up there and, and forgive sins, preach Christ, etc., 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 etc. So, emphasis is, uh, can be false doctrine. 
Okay. According to the doctrine of vocation. So, uh, for example, you could do a lot of good things. Like, for example, you could go over to India and, and feed the orphans. But if you were a father and you did that and your kids were back home starving, that would be f- a, f- a wrong thing to do because of the, of the vocation that you have as father. So the Ten Commandments are run through the filter of the of vocation. Nice. Does that make sense? Does it make any sense? Yeah. Uh, I think it does. And also, sure. just just to uh, comment on something Humphrey said earlier, uh, r- relating the, um, um, I think we we're talking about challenges or something like that, and he related that to like the, the marriage vows, and um, and and kind of how how this maybe flirts with Pietism. The uh, the thing is though, um, the I guess the the key question is because I remember I mean when I was kind of learning law gospel, distinction law gospel, and I was you know, uh, going to college and hearing them just preach all law sermons, you know. And so my my reaction would be that, okay, all law is bad. We, you know, we, we want to never hear hear the law, or at least never hear a law. Um, uh, oh, I don't know. Well, I, I think I was, I was you know, kind of anti-law uh, for a while, just kind of in, in these, you know, learning sages of theology. But mm-hmm. um, uh, but see, the, the, the difference is that... Uh, uh, that the law does not uh, further uh, further our standing before God, as, as you said, Pastor Wolfmer. So, for example, um, you you encounter someone who might you know struggle with pornography or something like that, and you say, hey, why don't you um, you know get rid of your internet or move the computer to a public area or something like that? And you don't want to come back and say, well, that's just law. Well, you know, this isn't this. I'm not using this law to to affect my standing before God. I don't think that I'm righteous before God on the basis of me discontinuing my internet or on the basis of me moving my computer to a public area. Uh, right. th- these are just practical things that is going to help uh, an individual with his particular particular sin. And the point there is not um, that I stop sinning so that I'll be righteous before God. The point there is to stop sinning so I start hurting my neighbor, those who are around me. Um, right. So does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so uh, how big a mission was Sorry, anyway? Oh, huge! <laughs> huge. <laughs> well, why don't you go through the you stages? Come down here. here and prove it. Okay, here we got a list. Uh, what this is the um, this game? How how big a missionalist are you? We look at some the claims of the missionalists and we evaluate if they are truly being missionalists. So here's the criteria. I don't know how many there are because I've dots, not numbers, but. The first criteria is sola missio. I'm sure that's not declined properly. <laughs> Just letting you know. Everything in Scripture is ignored except the words regarding mission. That's the first part. Uh, then there's a few things to despise if you want to be truly missional. You have to despise vocation, despise the sacraments, despise doctrine, the pure kind, despise Christian maturity, despise the ministry, despise the church rites. Then you have to use really trendy buzzwords. You have to understand the church is a f- training facility to equip, not give. Send, not forgive. You have to also understand that the church is organic. That's one of the marks of a missionalist. You have to talk about the church being a movement, not an institution. And whatever you do, most of all, you have to cost other people a lot of money. <laughs> Did you just add that one? No. no okay. okay. A lot of money. Okay, got it. Um... Okay, so uh, I think this would be good if we had this on our website. So uh, we'll put this up at tabletalkradio.org. You can check it out, print it off, give it to all your friends, and be missional. Okay, so the <laughs> uh, we're going to have a little Table Talk Radio missionalist. That would be great, wouldn't it? Aren't we, uh, <laughs> aren't, 
Aren't we missional because we uh, started? Uh, we've started now one and a half new ministries. <laughs> <laughs> Have we? It's not ministries. It's ministries. <laughs> that's how the mission. Oh yeah, that's right. One and a half. We started uh, the Redeemer Theological Academy. Yep. And at some point, at some time in your life, you're gonna finish starting this other thing. Yeah. Have we even announced that yet? Nope. Nope. Well, it's, it's going to be a big surprise. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, let's go back to Jeff Vanderstelt, uh, who is telling us about uh, uh, what is missional and a missional community. And here he is answering the question from the interviewer, uh, why do you think churches aren't more engaged missionally? And here's his response. Well, I think, uh, well, that's a very, I, I've got a lot of answers to that. I think one, I think one, I think they have misunderstood Ephesians 4, or they haven't even paid attention to it. They're, that they were given to the church to equip the saints for works of ministry, and the works of ministry that are described there are everyone is able to speak the gospel and love to one another, speak the truth and love to one another. So everyone is gospel fluent. They actually know the gospel, can preach the gospel, can apply the gospel to all of life, lead people to faith in Jesus and build each other up so that everybody in the church does ministry. Like, I, wait, I don't wait, think can they you believe st- can you that stop it there, Evan? the church you, can actually be a gospel. Now, uh, this is a, just to point out the irony that as he's, um, uh, as he's defining gospel fluency, he actually uh, teaches false doctrine about the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, uh, so, so you have this revivalistic idea that to lead people to Christ, the, you know, the people make a decision for Christ, etc. You got the decisionism in there defined as gospel fluency. So just that's just wanted to point that little thing out. Okay, <laughs> he continues. Minister, they think that some are called to be ministers and the rest are called to be attenders, and I think that's just a complete misunderstanding of the of the, the church and their role in the church. So I think that at the big picture, I'd say it's that. I think second, it'd be that most churches seem to operate more like orphanages from my observation. They get people to be children of God, and then there's, there's so many of them that nobody gets parented or developed well so they can go parent other people someday. <laughs> they don't teach people how to grow up in the faith. They just teach them how to stay little kids in the faith underneath somebody who will be their dad all their life. And, um, and of course... Most pastors can't father that many kids well, so they just kind of just float around in the orphanage for a long, long time and never grow up. Do you have anything in your checklist that uh, shows the the need for the missionalists to be in smaller groups? Uh, no, but you see, the small group grows up out of this phenomenon of the megachurch because it used to be that churches were not that big. Yeah, that's true. And so you didn't, so the whole church was a small group. But now, you, with the on, onslaught, uh, with the attack of the megachurch, now everyone realizes, hey, I can't. You walk in here and there's a the bajillion people. So, and I can't get to the pastor. So it would be nice if I actually could talk about the Bible a little bit. So I got to invent a small group. But so, the, but the this, missionalism push is sort of a reaction to to the megachurch itself. I mean, it was uh, it was it was there before, but uh, but really the the big push that we see now is is I think in response to the megachurch as well. Yeah, it could be. Although you, I mean, the the, the small group is part of the megachurch mo- idea. The part it's a big part of the megachurch model, is it not? So. Um, I mean, this was the Rick Warren, the genius of the Rick Warren, is that we don't have a huge mega church. We got a ton of little tiny churches. Right. It's the same thing. I mean. Right. Well, anyway. then that's exactly. It's all despising the ministry. Now, this guy does not despise Christian maturity. I don't think he says, "Look, we gotta, 
but but he in his not despising of Christian maturity, he does despise the ministry. I'm not going to go to church and be served. So despise the ministry, and also understands the church as a training facility. He also has an organic understanding of the church there. So yeah, um, yeah. There's there's a lot to react to in that one. Um, yeah. So so uh, the the point of of church is certainly not to um, not to not to to come and oh. It, it certainly isn't about the forgiveness of sins. We'll put it that way. It, the, the church is not about the forgiveness of sins and and, and uh, you're standing before God. Um, it is 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 more about um, going out and and uh, and bringing other people in. He does bring in Christian maturity about it, which which is interesting. But I would I would wonder what he defines then as Christian maturity. Yeah. Uh, now we need to hit a commercial break. We'll hit uh, some more of this from uh, Jeff Vanderbilt. Uh, what's his name again? Jeff Vanderstelt. Right after this, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. Tip the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, dad, I don't know when. But we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Here we sit. We can do no other. Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, so here we are playing How Big of a Missionalist Are You? And uh, we've been uh, listening to Jeff Vanderstelt tell, tell us all about what is uh, what does it mean uh, to, to be a missional community. And uh, how's he doing so far, Pastor Wolf Mueller? Um, well, if you want to, I guess fine, if you actually want a, to be a missional community. Yeah. <laughs> but what if you just want to be a church? Right. Now, well, now please. Back by the, oh, yes, I was okay, going to ask you, uh, by way of contrast, uh, what is then the church? I mean, there may be someone listening saying, "Hey, uh, what this guy's describing is right on. How can you uh, have anything against it?" So, what is the church? That you you already said it. You're just setting me up. It's the place where Jesus forgives sins. That's what it is. I mean, it's nice, huh? It's a church where the forgiveness of sins is. So uh, I know where to go to find food. It's uh, at the grocery store or at Chick Fil A. Those are my two options, you know. And I know where to go and find hilarity, Table Talk Radio. And I know where to go and find forgiveness, the church. We just have that kind of clarity. It's handy, isn't it? So, um, man, I need I'm, my sins forgiven, so I go to church. I, I think that there was a non sequitur in there, though. I mean, to go from grocery store to Table Talk Radio to find hilarity, I, I don't think that they... I mean, that'd be like saying uh, I, I go to the sewer for fresh water. I mean, I just I just don't see the connection. That's funny because he used a simile to insult us. <laughs> uh, Enrollments are you know, lining up. Uh, where was that email that someone said they were listening to the radio and they heard uh, superstition came on? And they thought they, they were going to table talk radio was going to come on, even just from the one time. And then they were pleading, pleading for a new bump. I don't know. I Did just you? remember uh, last. Last week we had a, a guest on, and uh, he decried the use of Stevie Wonder in the uh, in the bump. So who's that? Mark Pearson. He's, he he politely requested um, some white stripes instead of instead of Stevie Wonder. 
You don't remember That's that? Dumb. Go listen to yeah, our own show. That. Go listen to that. That was dumb. Uh, by the way, uh, we get an email from Joe. Joe says, whoa, a Table Talk Radio app for the Android. That is pretty cool. Now, when will uh, when will brothers and sisters in Christ with superior technology such as iPhones be able to get the app? At the moment, That's iPhone brilliant. users are not part of the club. Not very missional on your part. Where's the love? Um, well, you know, you know, do you remember back in school where, where we had to do these analogies? Maybe, maybe like the on the love? SAT. Um, so where here, I'm going to have one for you. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Facebook is to social networking as iPhones is to... Oh, I have to fill this in? Yeah. I thought you were ready with a punchline. I got to make my own punchline? Okay, line? phones. Thank you. Thank you for ruining oh, phones. it. <laughs> All, right. All right, hold on. Let me try again. Give it to me again. <laughs> okay. Uh, iPhones is to phones as Facebook is to... Wait, you switched it around <laughs> on me. I know. This is very complicated. I'm sorry. Computers? I'm, checking, I'm trying to look and see what everyone had for breakfast this morning on Facebook right now, by the way. So I can't concentrate that much. Anyway, he says, thank you guys for the show. Always enjoyed it. Definitely OD'd on reruns while having surgery for a month uh, or so ago. God bless. Thank you, Joe, for oh, yeah. listening in Richland, right. Washington. Just aiding recovery. Um, I am... I, I think uh, Macs are about as good as a uh, uh, something that's not good. Um, what I don't even know what a Mac is. When someday when I hit the lotto, or when our listeners buy those <laughs> baptismal certificates, I know I've only seen them through the glass when I've been you know pressed up against it, but I've never never been able to actually you know touch one or or buy one. So <laughs> so uh, there is by the way a uh, Table Deck Radio iPhone app. Um, it's about three years old, and uh, it has a few of our games, so you can check that out. Just just run through those a few more times, um, and we'll see. We'll see about getting an iPhone app out there. So, uh, okay. but you do check out the Android app now. Okay, so uh, are you ready for then the next the next step here? Yeah, for missionalizing the missional missionalific missional community. That's the one. Uh, this question Mission. is: uh, What steps can a pastor take towards creating a missional community? Step one. <laughs> Take notes. Here it is. I'm ready. You know, I think there's a few things. One in particular, they've got to commit themselves to the development of leaders who can actually be spiritual parents to kids. Just spiritual. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, say that again. Oh, hold on, hold on. He say you have to commit yourself to spiritual leadership and then and being parents to the kids. Uh, spiritual parents to kids, I think. Here, I, yeah, he didn't. He just say. That the problem with the church was you have a bunch of spiritual kids that just rely on their spiritual nanny. The pastor's <laughs> like the spiritual nanny, and they never grow up. And then he says the pastor says have to be spiritual parents to the spiritual kids. Uh, Did you get that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, now he is he has noticed this that, that this despising of spiritual maturity and despising the office of ministry are sometimes tricky to go to have both of them. So he has to despise them in separate answers to the question. <laughs> Never mind that it contradicts itself. All right. That doesn't matter. That uh, doesn't. I'm going to back it up a bit just so we can hear that again. Okay, here it goes. You know, I think there's a few things. One in particular, they've got to commit themselves to the development of leaders who can actually be spiritual parents to kids, to spiritual kids in their church, and commit themselves to developing and growing them up. So that would be one. And, and I think, like I watch most people plan a church, they spend all their energies in the front end figuring out how they're going to pull off a service. And I always tell them, spend your first year forming a core who's actually going to be able to raise up spiritual children with you. 
and most of them don't do that. And then later on, they're, they got way too many people, and they're overwhelmed. Um, so they need to do that. Second, then, I think they need to fig think through their, their programmatic mechanisms or the way they, they, they order, or organize life together in such a way that it actually means they can actually make disciples. Most of church fights against make, making disciples because people are too busy in the world, they're too busy with the programs you have them come to, that they can't do what discipleship requires, which is life on life, life in community, and life on mission. And wait, you wait, don't have it, those no, three elements. Life on life? Hold on, I'm taking notes now. Life on life? I'm glad you're paying attention for once. Life on... Yeah, he's starting to talk like a bureaucrat, and it really just tunes me in. <laughs> By the way, what grade, like, what grade did you get in the seminary on programmatic mechanisms? Oh, yeah. Man, I, they wanted me to teach that class. <laughs> uh, so, so you, you know, I, I, someone starts talking bureaucrats, and I'm like, boo, man, talk about language. Now I finally understand what you're talking about. None of this theology. He's actually closed Facebook, ladies and gentlemen. This is amazing. Okay, landmark case. So here, here we go. Tell, tell us about it. About what? What you're going off on. Oh, I'm trying to remember what he said. Oh. He said there are three types of life. Life on life, life on mission, life on Mars. I no. can't remember exactly we, what he said. Here, I'll back it up. Disciples. Most of church fights against make, making disciples because people are too busy in the world, they're too busy with the programs you have them come to, that they can't do what discipleship requires, which is life on life, life in community, and life on mission. Life on community <laughs> and life on mission. Life, life, on commu life in community. Life and now, look. Do you, do you see? There's a commu, There's really a communistic in the, in the despising of vocation and the despising of institution. There is uh, this kind of neo-monasticism that the thing that matters is the church. Now, it, this is kind of weird. I, I, I'm working through this thing together because my mind is tempted by a couple of different things from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Life Together book, but I think um, I, I think what we need to not do is start new communes. Or the other word for that is monasteries. In other words, people have families, people have jobs, people have they people live in the world, and that's according to God's will. So we don't need to despise that. People spend too much time in the world. We got a, less time in the world and more time in the missionified community. No, I mean it, there should be. We should try to carve out a little bit of time in this hectic word world to hear the Lord's word. As a church, on Sunday, as families each day, we ought to do that. But the, the idea that, that this is fighting against the, the other things that the Lord has given to us, that we can't receive our jobs and our families in this world as a gift from God. Um, I'll tell you, I, what, I think, what I think the, the missional movement um, uh, is, is uh, gaining ground on is the fact that in our world today, um, we're so busy... And that we are so enamored by technology, um, and we our family our family lives are in just complete disarray. That there really is no no community. There is there is no um, real legitimate connection to other human beings. And so I think that uh, where the the missional movement is capitalizing is that they're trying to draw an answer for that for that that loss. Now to just provide uh, a a uh, a social, a social, uh, a social downfall, to, or to, just to provide a, a social need, is not yet the church. Um, that is not what we need. But see, 
But see, this is what uh, this is what the uh, church growth has always focused on. Okay, what is the need? We'll provide the answer. Now a lot of people are going to come. There's a lot of people who need real human connections, and they're not getting it anywhere else, so we'll provide that at the church. And now there's a lot of people in our church, or a lot of people in our cell groups, um, so therefore we're doing ministry successfully. But that is not the mark of, of a successful ministry. Uh, our Lord has us be faithful to Holy Scripture. Our Lord has us uh, preach the gospel. Our Lord has us uh, receive the forgiveness of sins, believe his promises. So you have a, a church full of, of cell groups, but none of them actually believe that they're saved by grace alone. None of them actually believe that their sins are forgiven week after week. Uh, so that is not successful. That, I mean, that is not what our Lord would, would want in the church. Is that like your platform speech running for district president or something? Uh, no, if I was running for district president, I'd be like, whereas... Uh, uh... <laughs> That's pretty good, man. I'm inspired. You'd start a movement talking like that. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, <laughs> we need to uh, get to some uh, bumper stickers after this commercial bumper break. <laughs> and some church signs and... Probably not. We don't have any time for some Facebook status sure. theology. So just, uh, but if you have any uh, Facebook, or excuse me, oh, oh, wash my mouth out. <laughs> I'm gonna. By the way, I'm checking on Facebook to see if people are enamored with technology like you said they were. I'll check. Okay. Uh, I mean, you have to look around every car you pass. A person's typing a text message on their phone. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Oh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. And it's hard to get by just upon a smile. Oh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. And I'll always remember you like a child girl. Hey, you really are listening to Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Pastor Wolf, oh my God, he's uh, he's having fun over there with his Roy D. Mercer uh, soundboard. I say, hey, all right, we're coming back on. What does that matter? <laughs> I don't know. I guess, Is there any difference? Just press guess, play. It's a halfway through the conversation, anyways. Just start and stop. You just get twelve minutes of an ongoing just nonsense. All right. Well, Table you have been completely radio. missionified. It's time now to an- analyze. Uh, all of your favorite uh, bumper stickers and church signs. Uh, and, and if you have them, if you see them around, you can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. Just save that number right into your cell phone. Uh, put it on speed dial, so as soon as you see it, hit number three or whatever, and then all of a sudden... So it'd be like, you know, number one is usually voicemail, number two would be your mother, and then three, Table Talk Radio. <laughs> and then uh, just call us in, and then uh, <laughs> and then and report... Get a bunch of messages. Hi, Mom! Uh, I mean, oops. Uh, yeah. And then they call mom. Hey, I've got this terrible church sign for you. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? What's wrong, honey? <laughs> Is that what your mom sounds like? <laughs> oh, poor Kay. <laughs> okay, uh, let's get so let's get go to some church signs and bumper stickers. Here's the first one. Hi, this is Jen in Colorado. Um, can't believe I've called a talk show twice now, and both times it was this show. Uh, I have two things. Bumper sticker. Shame, said shame. It's a white bumper sticker, and in black type print, it says, Jesus is 
and then a blank, like a, a line, fill in the blank kind of line with a comma after that. Uh, yeah, have fun with that. Uh, the other comment is I just listened to, oh, now I don't remember the episode number. It was the episode where you introduced the your neighbor's cult game. And I love the game. It's It's a great game. One of the things that my family loves about your show is that uh, there's always explanations. So, like, even the theological buzzwords, you give the buzzword and then you explain it and you talk about it. And you sometimes you'll even talk about what the contrast to that word is, if, there's, if it's something like where there's opposites or something. And uh, I think that doing this cult game again would be fantastic and a, um, a fantastic place to use that, that explaining. Like you talked about the Rastafarian, but then your other options were Sufism and Mormonism. Okay, yeah, you can't get into Mormonism really fast, but you could do a basic explanation, be, you know, after... After you say, okay, yes, this is Rastafarianism, uh, or Rastafarian, and then, okay, so this is why, you know, this is what Sufism is for people who, like, Evan didn't know what Sufism was. So? Um, you know, to explain it, <laughs> it's, it's a kind of mystical element of Islam, and, you know, it's, it's a great, Table Talk Radio is a really great learning tool because amidst all the silliness, there's a lot of explanations and definitions, and um, our, our I can't believe Jen it. said Even that. Young children walk away from it with extra knowledge. All right, um, like extra good works. <laughs> Do you remember when we played that? <laughs> Do you remember when we played that game? Uh, meet your member, the your neighbor, the cult member. Yeah, because I got a new book, and then we made it into a. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I we were gonna that. play the secondary game. Uh, guess what book Pastor Wolfner just got based upon the game we're playing? <laughs> I like that. That's right. Hey, I got a new book. I got to preach on it, teach a Bible class on it, make up a couple games on it, and then read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, no, I really I really don't know what to make out of uh, the bumper sticker oh. she reported. Jesus is in the blank land. I don't know if this is saying that you, you can fill in the blank, Jesus can be whatever you want him to be, or if it's saying that Jesus is, like, not there, that there's no answer, Jesus empty. Uh, Jesus is blank. I think this is the fill. I think, well, yeah, this is the Jesus of these days. It's a fill of blank Jesus. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is distant. Jesus is a hippie, etc. You know. Yeah. I know. (laughs) So, do you have a worldview on this one? We should make this one a worldview. Fill in the blank Jesus. Is that what we're going to call it? Is that, is that as creative as you can get? Well, I don't want to spur of the moment, man. I'm trying to check <laughs> Facebook, write emails, ignore you. It's, i got a lot going Which on over It's very here. consuming, by the way. Where is our worldview list? I'm still on how big a Michelin are you with my raw date soundboard. Okay, we'll go to the next huh? one. Uh, we're going to go to our 15-year-old listener. Hello, this is your 15-year-old listener from Iowa who goes to the That's a weird name. Lutheran High School in Iowa. Mr. And I'm calling to report uh, one bumper sticker and two church signs. You might have already done this bumper sticker, but uh, I saw it this weekend, and it was, God doesn't believe in atheists. Um, I'm sure you like that one. 
And then the Jewish church signs, the more you fear God, the less you fear. And then sharing the bread of life with the hungry world, which isn't uh, wasn't on a church sign, so to speak, um, but it was maybe a mission statement of an ELCA church. Um, anyway, thanks for your show. I sent you an email a couple weeks ago. I hope you got it. Uh, keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Bye. Um, I'm sure we got it. It's back there somewhere. Yeah. It, it's, it's in the, it's in the huge piles of emails. Yeah. Mailbag. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, we have a few this here. This is a lot. This is like a whole show worth. Okay. God doesn't believe in atheists. That's funny because normally <laughs> we say atheists don't believe in God and it's all backwards. You're welcome. Thank you. So I was judge. really puzzled on that one, so I'm glad I you... I know. You're sitting there working on it. Now, why is this so funny? I know it's funny. I just don't know why. <laughs> now I know. By the way, I figured out um, <laughs> that we have, uh, over issues, etc., a better um, ratio of minor listeners. Because, Yeah, I mean, if we have, like, 12 listeners, and we have one who's 15 years old, I mean, I don't know what the percentage is, but, like... What would that be like? Eight percent of <laughs> of our listeners, nine percent of our listeners are, are. Let's just pretend are... we have ten listeners and to make the math easier. Okay, one one is. <laughs> we don't. Hey, we don't have to pretend, really. <laughs> so so one of our listeners is is fifteen years old. That means ten percent of our listener base is under the age of eighteen. Uh, but you know, you and they're over... paying attention to church signs. So God doesn't believe in atheists. Now, I think by the way, that's probably not true. Um, because, and now, and this is an interesting sort of thing, that God, uh, I mean, for whatever we want to talk about, God doesn't believe anything, um, because he's able to see everything. So, so there is no faith with God, which is the first thing. Uh, but then the second idea that God doesn't believe in atheists is that we have this, this testimony in the scriptures, and we, I think we want to remember it when we come to the, to the, our friend, uh, the, the atheist, is that God does care for them. And then he's given them certain things. He's given them a stomach that feels hunger, and he feeds it, he fills it with food. And he's given a conscience. He's given them a conscience which feels pain over the wrong things in the world. And he's given them Christ to give them a clean conscience. That that already stands as an established gift. The problem is they uh, they they do not know it, or they rejected it, or or whatever. So we can come to the atheists already knowing that we don't say to the atheists, hey, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because they do. The problem is it's just a bad relationship. <laughs> this is a, he's their judge. Whew. Right. Uh, okay, what about the next one? Uh, the more you fear God, the less you fear. I think that's true. I'm working on this idea that, uh, how do we say this? That in, when, when the Lord gives us the Ten Commandments, with the first commandment, what he requires is that we drop everything. All that we have is God. Everything else is taken. We 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 lay aside our name, our family, our, everything is laid aside. And then the Lord proceeds to give us through the commandments His gifts, and and now we're able to receive everything in this world as a gift from Him. So we're able to receive uh, His Word, uh, access to His name in prayer, uh, the, the orderliness of the universe, our our life, our family our friends, our, our possessions, we receive them all as gifts through him. So first commandment, everything's stripped away. Uh, commandments 2 through 10, everything is added back to us as, a, as God's gift. And I th- so I think that happens with fear. As I abandon the fear of everything else for simply fearing God, now all the other things 
uh, there, there's no fear left. So Jesus says it like this. Uh, don't fear the one who can destroy your body, who can murder you, fifth commandment, but fear the one rather who can destroy body and soul in hell. That's God. Yeah, right. And then, and then, and then, so all that we have is the fear of God. And then he comes and says, don't be afraid. <laughs> Did you imagine that? Don't fear anything but me. And by the way, I'm not that scary. Mm, I yeah. died for you. So there's no fear. Uh, uh, perfect love cast out fear is how I think Paul said it. Okay. And it, with uh, 10 seconds here, what about the last one? What did it say? I forgot. Uh, hungry, something about being hungry. Oh, yeah. Feeding the hungry world with the bread. Uh, the the hunger, I think this is good if we understand the hunger that we have is for holiness. And the Lord feeds our hunger precisely by forgiving our sins. All right. If you have church signs or bumper stickers, send them to 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652, or questions at tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all the people looking for pietism support groups on Craigslist. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.